And we're live. All right, Jobber Nation, good evening. Welcome to a special edition of the Jobber Tears Podcast. As always, I'm Janelle from HR. Here with Sir Wilkins. We are, you know, of course, awaiting our beloved Mr. Black. But in the meantime, we're going to just jump start because we got a very special guest. Um, he is, he's, he's, he's on the streets. The streets be talking about this one. I, I, I had to do my research about this gentleman here because I, we, we're going to figure out tonight why he's probably one of the most hated men that has an opinion about wrestling. That's fair. Which I don't understand. <laughs> I, I, we, we, we have to break this down because I'm so lost. Like, I'm just like, why? <laughs> but anyone that comes on the show, we don't introduce them. You introduce yourself. So let the viewers and listeners know who you are. Well, for those watching the video, you can see I'm the IWC's favorite son. <laughs> but you can also call me Brad Shepard. I've been called worse than that. Um, What's the worst thing you've been called? <laughs> Why are you asking him that? <laughs> he opened the door uh, on that one like i was just like oh so what's the worst you been called a lot of things like a lot of things death threats and uh, awful names death oh sure absolutely oh, i've had sure. pro wrestlers threaten me um you oh. know fans of course you know threaten to kill me or tell me i should commit suicide Oh yeah, I mean, all, I could go on and on. All because you have an opinion about this beloved yeah, thing we because love I, wrestling. Well, yeah, I, I think women's wrestling sucks. Okay, and <laughs> We're so I'm, I, I'm. We're gonna talk about so, that. So it's like, and I can articulate that. It's not like I'm just saying, you know, hot takes to get a reaction. But it's like you know, people get completely triggered, and you know, they just can't handle it. So because so apparently they, uh, so you're blocked me. by. You're blocked by half of AEW's roster, from what I what I read. They're very sensitive, very sensitive fellas. And by the way, I actually had an AEW executive—I won't say who on air—unfollow me recently because I triggered him. Um, so you know, it's not just—it's it, like it's everybody in AEW. They're all sensitive. Aubrey, the referee, blocked me. You know, which was no big. I never followed her. I mean, it's no big loss. She's an awful referee. She steals the spotlight wow. from the wrestlers. So, you know, she should have blocked me six months ago, as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, it's so funny. Jim Cornette said the same thing not too long ago. So, like, it, so I, everyone, like, hates Jim. But I mm -hmm. am always intrigued by his opinion on stuff. So, he had mentioned that not too long ago. He was just like, she's just always in the wrong position at the wrong time. Doesn't know what to do. I was like, oh, damn. That sucks. Yeah. I actually watched her do a leg slap on a hot tag in one of the matches. She did this, like, just ridiculous reaction, waving her arm and then slapping her leg. Oh, wow. I, I mean, she's awful. Like she would have been fired in WWE the minute she started. But what also is trash sometimes is the production because some some things you mm -hmm. shouldn't see they show and you're just like, oh come on, like can yeah. we not show those things? But all right, let's okay. jump to Sir Wilkins. Go first. I know you. Okay, been okay. First, first, thing, first things first. First things first. Let's learn about who you are. Cause I, cause I think that's a basic question we need to ask. Where are you from, brother? I've actually lived all up and down the East Coast. Hmm. So I was born in Virginia, but I grew up in New England. Oh, and then I moved. Yeah, so I'm actually like a Boston sports I'm fan. Say, are you a Patriots you know? fan? Diehard Pats fan. Uh, Red Sox. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. It's all yeah. Right. So, so then I moved to North Carolina, uh, where I'm oh. still at. So I'm kind of like a mix of up north, down south. I've done it all, but yeah, that's me. I've been all around. 
Okay. <laughs> favorite favorite wrestler of all time. Like what favorite wrestler of all time? Let's let's Hulk get these Hogan. out. Yeah, Hulk. I mean, I grew up Harry. in the golden era. Yeah, Harry. Well, well, it's gonna be a rock up or something. <laughs> 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 like, 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 brother. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, you know, growing up as as a young child, Hulk Hogan. I think a lot of people were a fan of the character. You know, it's just that larger than life golden era of wrestling. You know, Terry the person, like in a lot of cases, you know, he's basically a shitty person. But Terry the wrestler, Hulk Hogan, he was magical. He was larger than life. He was on Sports Illustrated. He had the 24-inch pythons. And in going to the shows as a child, the buildings would literally shake when he came out for his entrance. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's just, it's a very different dynamic than today. And, and, and Hulk could do a leg drop and get the crowd to go off their feet. And today, a 450 splash would hardly get a reaction. You know, which one is more dangerous? So, you know, there's just, I think, a lot of lessons in there, too. But an amazing time. And, of course, just being a young child and that nostalgia, definitely Hulk Hogan. Okay. okay. So, well, I mean... as, of, as of right now, what's your favorite promotion to watch? Oh, geez. Uh, I guess <laughs> WWE. Okay. I do like NWA. You know, okay. I, um, because NWA, you know, I grew up in the golden era. So part of that was Jim Crockett promotions and NWA, okay. you know, Flair and Dusty and Luger and Barry Windham and Nikita Koloff and all those guys. So that was a really special, I think, uh, company as well. Special time. Definitely enjoyed that. So to, honestly, the WWE. The real alternative to them is the NWA. It's not AEW. Oh. I mean, AEW's it, not going to be on their level anytime soon. So okay. no, they're 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 a joke of an operation. But NWA kind of <laughs> has that old school. I love it. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm let it fly. You, no, I love spoiler it. alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, but NWA, I think it's got a lot of good old school elements of wrestling. So I really do enjoy that. You know, a lot of that is missing from the other companies today. So I enjoy NWA, but probably WWE. I mean, I've been watching WWE since, you know, I mean, I was seven probably. Yeah, I'm 42 now. So, you know, do the math, but it's like 35 years yeah. that I've been watching it. So. So how did you get into the the, the whole column? Would you call yourself a dirt sheet writer per se? A blogger. A blogger-ish type rest for, for wrestling. How did you get into this? So I actually started, and a lot of people don't realize this, but my journalism and writing career started actually in politics. Uh -oh. And I still do political work today. But I do try to separate it out. You know, I keep them very separate. They're different arenas, although sometimes they do cross over. But I actually started out doing political work. And being a lifelong wrestling fan, I transitioned that into doing some sports writing and pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I haven't written much about pro wrestling. It's mostly been sports and politics, but... I've definitely stirred up some folks with my columns, my Brad's butt beauties uh, in, in WWE. That became all the rage. It was, um, you know, triggered a lot of people. Who had I, the best ass? I, I saw the article. Um, was like, it was, um, oh, geez, what is her name? Yeah, they're all so okay. forgettable these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mandy I mean, Rose. Mandy Rose. Oh. Yeah, and she okay. commented about it. So. Oh, so there you go. I mean, here's the thing. It was it was nobody else was doing something like that. It was not a serious column. It was supposed to be fun. But also it's highlighting, you know, these people are athletes. They work out regularly. They have strict diets. This was, you know, also recognizing the hard work they put into their bodies as athletes. It's a compliment when someone works really hard and you say, hey, you've got a great butt. 
Oh, well, thank you. You know, because I do have a he, great butt because he, I work out oh, and I no, do squats. This one. this one. He gets it all the time. <laughs> he does. So huh? it's, it's, yeah. it's relatable. You get it. Um, So the thing is, I really got wind of you because I've, I've read your stuff here and there because when we first started the podcast, you would always throw out information, um, different types of things you've heard and all this other mm -hmm. thing. But what really had me to go off of the your top 10 was when you did was it top 10 women wrestling fans after dark or something like that on Twitter or something like that? Was oh, it, it was that? that yes. Hashtag. Yes. Okay. So basically what was happening is a bunch of these, you know, weirdos on wrestling Twitter. Come on. Were, let's be nice. Let's be nice. Let's be nice. Brad. Well, I was weirdo was nice. That was the nice term, but you know, they were getting on, you know, Twitter and a lot of them are sexually inexperienced. And so they're, you know, going out there and connecting with other wrestling fans and, you know, they're posting nude photos and whatever and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they, and they got completely upset about this. So I got that, you know, that hashtag they were using and I turned it into an article about, you know, the, because the women were showing off on Twitter, right. In this, this wrestling hashtag. So I ran with that as an article and actually a lot of the women in that article appreciated that it was not a negative to them. They it were doing it on their own volition. Like, hmm? there was like a lot of people. I'm sorry to cut you off. It was no, go ahead. It, it wasn't a negative article. I think you did like the best, the best of the best type of thing. Yeah. And then, but a lot of people were like hashtag cancel Brad Shepard because of that. Yeah. Well, they've tried to cancel me numerous times, but I'm uncancelable. So they oh. can do whatever they want. My it does not I'm matter. Teflon Dawn. You hear that? <laughs> They've tried and they have failed. <laughs> Why do you think they failed though? Like what what do you think is keeping you still like in the game in a sense? Because well, a, a lot, lot of, of people got canceled last year, but mm -hmm. I mean of course because they were inappropriate as fuck. But right. what's kept you, you know, going? I think a lot of it comes down to this bullshit cancel culture. You know, and I don't subscribe to that at all. And and I think a lot of people who get canceled, they want to be canceled or they allow themselves to be canceled. If you don't allow yourself to be canceled or if you're in a situation where, you know, they can't get you fired or, you know, have control over what you do. And a lot of that is what it comes down to for me. Then there's nothing they can do. They can't cancel me because I won't allow that. And in fact, I'm not going to just stop when they complain. I'm going to double down. Because it's not like they're going to accept my apology and suddenly say, oh, you know, Brad's this great guy. We were totally wrong here. No, it's never going to be good enough. So I'm going to double down and keep doing what I do, whether they like it or not. Does that fuck with your mental, though? Like, you, you going on social media and you are getting ripped apart. And, and you know, social media is part of, is part of your game, whatever. But you're getting ripped yeah. apart. Isn't it? Don't you ever go like, damn. Can I get some love here? Well, there's an adjustment period, you know, to really when you start to get that level of attention where people are, you know, talk, I mean, even journalists and news articles were talking about me negatively. Like even the dirt sheets were printing negative stuff about me. Um, oh, you know, I'm not a red. Yeah. Um, I want to know Sean what your too. beef with Uncle Dave is. I, but we're going to get to it. We're going to break yeah. this down. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot of it. You just have to get adjusted to that sort of public scrutiny and try to understand it's not personal. And then people deal with it differently. Some people are better at that than others. Um, I tend to just have less of a care of what people think in general. 
Mm-hmm. Um, other than the people, you know, I love and care about or whatever. I, I don't get distracted by some stranger telling me I suck or whatever, because it doesn't matter. That's their opinion. I'm going to move on and I'm never going to think of them again. And they're going to keep thinking about me, you know, and that's what the haters do. Right. And, and often they're actually your biggest fans because they follow every word you say and everything you do. Which well, is that's, 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 deep. that's deep. valid as well. Cause I'm like, so, how did you start beefing with Dave Meltzer? Dave Meltzer, yeah. so anybody who's listening to this, Dave Meltzer is um, a wrestling journalist. He's um, the creator of Wrestling, wrestling, Observer. wrestling Observer, the Mr. Mr. Five-Star Match Rating Guy. A Which lot of wrestling go, go off of that. Yeah. So how did you end up beefing or having issues with the dude? He's also very short. I just want to point that out. Oh, so he has a Napoleon <laughs> Complex? Do we'll go. No, because um, sometimes short people got Napoleon complexes sure. where they think very highly yeah. of themselves and they don't see nothing yeah. else than what they think of. So that that could play a part. Well, that could be why he's doing the steroids, allegedly. Um, you know, here's the, here's the deal with Dave. So I started breaking news stories in WWE, right? And Dave, it, it got his attention. And he didn't like that because if you know anything about the wrestling journalists, they're gatekeepers. They want to keep their spot and they don't want anyone else getting the attention that they do. Mm-hmm. It's like this little circle jerk of losers, basically, is what it is. So Dave got wind of that. And then there was a time initially Dave was crediting me in the Wrestling Observer. A lot of people don't realize that or don't remember it. Mm-hmm. And there was even stories where he started to steal from me and not credit me. He oh. actually at one oh. point, he actually at one point apologized in a direct message to me a few years ago for not crediting me in the observer for a story that I broke and that he pretended that he broke. So there was that. And then, and and then I just noticed, you know, it became a pattern all of a sudden, you know, of Dave just stealing my stories and blah, blah, blah. After I'd broken them, the F4W board that they have, you know, it's this board of just malcontents and they had this thread going about wrestling journalists and, you know, they would, talk negatively about me and I'm not a subscriber, but people who actually subscribe would show me the screenshots. Oh, look what they're saying about you today. You know, and, and Dave would allow that kind of stuff. And Brian Alvarez would allow that kind of inappropriate stuff. So I quickly realized, well, these are, you know, slimy people and they're encouraging this, this, you know, fan base that's really toxic. And then Dave is like stealing stories and he's making stuff up. And I, I mean, I'm, I, you know, that's really kind of how it got started. And and I noticed this real pattern amongst wrestling journalism and how they operate. And, you know, that's really where the divide started. Have you met him in person? Like, have you guys had a one-on-one conversation face-to-face? Or no, has it just Dave, always been the internet? Yeah, I, I've never met the guy. Like, all these people who hate me so badly, um, you know, they've never had a simple conversation with me. Now, Dave would probably come up to my tip. He's a very short guy. I think I mentioned he that already. Tip. 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 Oh, I think he yeah. said tip like the tip of his dick. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. This is wild. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a little more wild. That that would have been. Uh, no, I've never had a conversation with him. Um, from what I understand from people I know who have had conversations, they start to, to criticize him or say something to him that he may not like. He just walks away. Uh, so... He's not open to criticism. He definitely doesn't want to talk to me. He blocked me on Twitter uh, quite a long time ago. Um, but I'm open to conversations with all of these guys. I've tried to, you know, at first I tried to be the nice guy and, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt 
And then I just got to a point where I got well past that because their intentions were clear. Is that the same problem you have with, with Sean? It's, it's Sean Ross, right? That's his name? By the way, who uses their fucking first and middle and last name to it to be addressed? Sean Ross Sapp. Why can't he just be Sean Sapp? Like, is there that many Sean Sapps in the world in wrestling journalism that nobody's going to know who he is? I mean, not a shade to him, but most people that use their full names like that are like murderers or like yeah, killers. For sure. So it's yeah. weird. It is a little weird. Like, we were watching, so me, me and my boyfriend were watching this um, documentary because we watched documentaries on the um, mm -hmm. DC Sniper. Yeah. And they were using like his first, middle, and last name. And we were just like, he was just like, it's so ironic that his last name was Muhammad because it was right after 9 11. And all I was like, then we looked at it and he was like, yeah, he, he converted to Islam and that's why he did it. But it's mm -hmm. weird when people use the whole three names thing. I, yeah. I kind of agree. Yeah. But how did you guys end up with it? Because I know you guys have an issue. Is it the same thing like with, with Meltzer? Sean was more triggered by my wrestling opinions at first. Now, that's how it really started. Sean used to follow me on Twitter. Um, initially, we had some polite interactions. But, you know, again, I'm honest with how I feel. So eventually, everyone who follows me on Twitter long enough, for example, at It's Brad Shepard on Twitter, by the way. Cheap plug. Cheap plug. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he, he eventually got triggered by my opinions, which tend to be, you know, like, uh, I don't like the little guys who flip around. Um, and, and I don't like women's wrestling and, you know, so I'm very honest about my opinions that triggered him in a major way. So, you know, and, and then he just started attacking me and everything I did was awful and I'm a horrible person, you know, kind of steamrolled, uh, from there. He got really jealous. You know, he would block me. He would send me DMS with nasty things and, you know, like block me. So I couldn't respond. Oh. He was just so weird. He's a very weird guy. <laughs> but so this is also another guy you've never met a day in your life. Never met. Which tried to talk. I tried weird. to talk to him. I, I, you know, again, I, I tried to be nice to him. Tried to have a conversation. Um, just not interested in that. So. So my question is, why do you hate women's wrestling? We got to talk about this. Right? Break it yeah. down because it, it's not that. Once again, your opinion is your opinion. Not never going to negate that because we're not like that. Because people sure. don't like our opinion either. But. There are other people in the world that have that same opinion. So it's inch. So we would love to hear your take on where's the breakdown. I don't have that opinion. She don't, don't have either. that opinion. But we want to hear your opinion. However, I think AW's women's mm -hmm. division is trash. But oh, that's awful. There. Yeah. Well, but they also talk about it like it's the greatest thing ever. And that's part of the problem. And if you like women's wrestling, that's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that at all. My big problem with the people in women's wrestling who support it is a lot of them are disingenuous. You see it on social media. You know, Sasha Banks is this generation's nature boy, Ric Flair. Well, that's an awful opinion. It is. It's just an awful opinion. So to, to say that, it's like you probably don't really think that. But you have a lot of these guys who are, again, maybe they're sexually inexperienced, uh, but they have this sort of fascination that's unhealthy with the female wrestlers. I mean, you saw this with uh, what's her name that had the stalker that got into oh, her Sonya house, Sonia Deville. Deville, right? That guy was obsessed with women's wrestling. If you looked at his social media feed, it was all house. You know, women's wrestling is the greatest thing ever. So they developed this unhealthy fascination. They don't actually believe it's the greatest thing ever, but they had this sort of weird or sexual fascination with these women for a lot of reasons, and sometimes they're just sexually inexperienced weirdos. 
So that's what it comes down to is a lot of that. And, and then also, I just think it's not very good wrestling. They're just not on the level of men. And again, that's a general statement. There are some women that I think are good and, and that do get my attention. I'll tell you, China was someone I was a big fan of when she wrestled. China was believable. She was a great character. She did a lot of the things I liked. Uh, Ronda Rousey was another one who drew my attention in. So, okay. it, so it, it, it does happen. Was it right, because but just a general of, statement with, with Rhonda? Was it because of the superstar aspect of her before she got to WWE, or was it the actual wrestling in the ring in WWE? It was a combination. I mean, Rhonda came in, and I think she had that immediate believability, which helps, right? That it may be unfair, but it's a reality. Um, the perception is Rhonda Rousey is really tough, and she could beat up all the women in the WWE if she wanted to, right? So that believability matters. But then she came together like she learned it so quick. And that match she had at WrestleMania, uh, you know, with Triple H and Stephanie and, and Kurt was incredible. It was my favorite match of the night. And, and so Rhonda just seemed to put it all together so well. Her ring works was believable. She wasn't doing 450 splashes. She was, you know, she was wrestling like it was a fight. And she knew that because obviously she used to fight. Uh, so I just think a lot, a lot of those elements put together made her really good. Uh, but a lot of the women's wrestling today, in my opinion, is just really sloppy and fans want it to be good, as good as the men, but it's just not. And so sometimes even when they get kind of close to being good, we elevate it more than it really is. You know, I'll give you an example. It's kind of like the WNBA and the NBA. So if you're an NBA fan, you know, NBA competition is really great. Yeah, I'm going there. The WNBA <laughs> competition, the w, I mean, it sucks. It's not even a comparison. In fact, the WNBA is only in business because they're at a net loss every year, and the NBA absorbs that cost for them so that everybody can virtue signal and talk about how great women's wrestling is and, and women's basketball and blah, blah, blah. So that's a, another example of it. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, just a general statement. I don't think it's very good. Um and I think they get forced into because of this culture we're in, this politically correct sort of culture. It's like we have to put the woman in the main event to virtue signal, even though that's maybe not where they belong. And so that's my problem with it. Wow. it's a lot to take in. Mm -hmm. Just um, because of the, I think for, for me, I think, for, for example, I, I was at WrestleMania. I was at Tampa night one. Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. And and even just the fact that that was happening for us, I watched wrestling from when I was six, seven. So seeing two females that look just like me in the middle of that ring, main eventing on the biggest stage of them all, that to me is a game changer. But once again, if it's relatable to the individual, then you're going to have that attachment to it. Right. If it's not relatable to you, you're just going to be like, oh, well, let's go to the next thing. So sure. that's kind of the, the gifts, the pros and cons of loving wrestling is because you want something that's going to be relatable. If it's yeah. not relatable to you, just like the other day, this one said Sting was overrated. And I was just like, oh, I don't really agree with that. <laughs> but, you know, if you didn't grow up watching the, the yeah. Sting colorful WCW there, building the company from the ground kind of thing, mm -hmm. you, you're not going to relax because he was a part of that foundation. Don't do that. He wants to talk about Sting, I can tell. <laughs> um um okay first first thing let's we'll, we'll get to women's wrestling in a second my thing with sting sting was never the top guy never but was that his fault that's yes it is his fault if his partner ultimate warrior 
became a top guy? Why was Sting never a top guy? I don't know why Ultimate Warrior was a top guy. Because yeah, Sting is not a draw. Let's just put that away. But he's a he's he's great. But I don't think he's on the level of like people put him at. He's uh he's a tier below Ric Flair, all these other guys up top. And I think he's people compare him to the Undertaker. Undertaker is, a, is above him. Who I wouldn't compare him to Taker at all. Yeah, no, I generally agree with that. I do think he's a, a level below that top notch. Uh, and that's yeah. not an insult, by the way. How many people it's really not. even get to that level to begin with? Very, very few. Um, so he's excelled in a major way. But you're right; I don't think he was at that A plus sort of top level. Yeah, he, he's he's a he's a uh, A minus player, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I agree. That's still at eighty. No, what is that? Eighty nine. You still pass. That's a mm -hmm. good grade. I think it's a little <laughs> below an eighty nine, but okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, but to, to to go back, women's wrestling. To be honest, Brad, I see your point. I see what you're saying where you're like, hey, it I, it doesn't pull me in. Um, you know, the the the, the talent is not is not up there as like the met the men's. I see that that kind of I can see where you can say that. Mm -hmm. You don't enjoy any of the four horsewomen, like Charlotte, um, Becky, Sasha, you know, uh, uh, oh, Bailey. Bailey. I love Bailey. I think Bailey's super talented. Yeah, Bailey's really turned it on as far as her heel run. I think you know, mm -hmm. she totally didn't translate at all in the main roster coming in, you know, with the character she had uh, in NXT. It didn't work for whatever reason, um, like mm -hmm. it doesn't in a lot of cases. And But with the heel character over time, she's really developed that nicely. I do think she's one of the best female wrestlers in the world uh, because Bailey has encompassed that. In ring work, which is only a, a part of it, even though Dave Meltzer would have you believe otherwise, but she's developing the characters and the promos and you know the ring psychology and you know things like that that really add to investing a fan emotionally in in what we're watching. That says something about her for a man like you who doesn't like female wrestling to say that. And I've been saying that like I like Sasha, but the most complete person out of that those those four is Bailey for me, especially for what she's done. She was the pandemic MVP. Mm -hmm. But I want to kind of move on past the women's wrestling women's wrestling conversation. What are you currently enjoying in wrestling? Because because I feel like right now people are getting giving more hate towards wrestling than enjoying it. Like the so first thing everyone says is I hate Raw, and it's just like. You have to watch it in order to know that you don't like it. So what yeah. about it that you don't like? <laughs> like, Yeah, it really comes down to being able to articulate it and also have your own independent thought. I think that's where a lot of people fail. For example, I did an article on this for my uh, website, airportappeal.substack.com. Cheap plug. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> And really what it amounts to is, you know, we would get the Nielsen ratings report right on Tuesday and it'd be like 1.4 million people watched raw. And of course, if you know, Nielsen is basically total bullshit. If you understand Nielsen, Absolutely. it's completely outdated. Absolutely. It's not accurate. These major networks have their own internal rating measurement tools that are proprietary. So they don't share. Um, and if a show is really that bad, it's not being watched. It's going to be off air, right? Because ratings do rule, but you're not getting the accurate ratings in Nielsen. But that is the standard that has come to be in pro wrestling. So all of these fans, it's just like a negative cycle of repetitive talking points every week. It was like, oh, Raw had 1.4 million viewers, so it sucks, right? Raw sucked. It, nobody watched it. 
Well, mm-hmm. it's not true. We know the Nielsen rating said that, but what were the real ratings that Nielsen doesn't cover? Because Nielsen sends someone a fucking paper log and says, let's document what you watched at eight o'clock. You know, it, it mean, just, it's, it's so ridiculous when you understand how that, that system works, mm-hmm. but you know, Showbuzz daily going out of business, so to speak, shutting down. Can, can and you not making that as about Showbuzz daily a little bit? Because I, because a lot of people haven't heard about this and, and I, we didn't get to talk about it on the podcast. Can you, can you explain that yeah. a little bit, please? Yeah, sure. So showbuzzdaily.com was a website that provided Nielsen ratings, you know, 18 to 49 demographics and et cetera, uh, just free for people. And and they, you know, had to subscribe and get that information from Nielsen, but they made it free and available for everybody. So that is where people would get their ratings information from, for example, in a raw, they would get it from Showbuzz Daily. They have like the top 50 shows, et cetera. So that's where it came from. People will get this kind of negative talking. Now Showbuzz Daily is down forever. It's it's done. So people don't have that anymore. So now they have to actually say, I didn't like Raw and here's why. Not just because 1.4 million people watched it. Again, you have to articulate why. And by the way, that's a good thing because that allows people to focus on the real issues. What's the root cause of the 1.4 million people watching? Telling WWE that 1.4 million people watch your show sucks is pointless. How does that translate to improving the show? Besides the fact that it's not accurate anyway, because it's Nielsen. So let's articulate why it sucked, right? Was there, you know, not good enough characters, larger than life characters? Was there not, there wasn't intriguing stories that people can connect with emotionally and relate to. I think that's a lot of WWE's problem is, you know, you got Roman Reigns and he's smearing dog food on Baron Corbin. And I'm like, this is so stupid. You know, I'm, I'm 42. Like I, I don't find that like entertaining. Maybe a five-year-old or a 10-year-old does, right? Uh, if they're up at nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night to watch. So, I mean, there's valid criticisms and that's what we need to focus on, but that can translate to actually getting them to improve the show. So what do you think is the biggest issue in wrestling today? Jeez. Uh, there's so many issues. I think believability. Yeah. Believability is a big one. You know, whether it's, you know, people on social media exposing their business completely. You know, they've got a character oh, like, on TV. Like, like oh. watching the match back or, again and then tweeting about it? That, or you've got like, you know, wrestlers are putting over Dave Meltzer's review of their match, which is just ridiculous. Um, you've got Alexa Bliss. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to say it. But she's playing this fiend-like character on TV, and then she's crying about a pet pig who died. So... Not you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take you real serious on Raw. You're having an emotional breakdown about a pig that I I probably would have eaten for breakfast the next day. Now, I get it. You're a pig. I do like bacon, though. It is good. It's rough. Crispy. Crispy. It's like, oh, here's a valid point. Yeah, people hate when I have valid points. So. <laughs> because you have to, because I think in, in actuality, I think to understand and to respect your opinion, you gotta have an open mind. Yeah, and it's of not, and you can't take everything so serious because it's just right. like in realistic terms, it, it is like you never saw Ric Flair out of the gimmick, out of the character. No, never. He saw lived the character, he lived right? It. So, and you believed it because of that. Correct. You believed he had all these dollars, and now he out here doing car show commercials. So you know he ain't got no money no more. Right. So it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm so tickled by them car show commercials. Y'all have no idea. They're like, funny. I'm just saying, yeah. like, but he's yeah. getting this money. So it's just like he's <laughs> always got that hustler thing. So it's a point to with Alexa, like, how can you take the character seriously on Monday, but then on Wednesday, 
she on Twitter crying about her pig. Like I, I could get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I and I'm it's look, that's just the reality. No, and you know what? She has a right to mourn and she has a right to be an advocate for animals and all that stuff. That's fine. But for someone that is in their 30s and 40s and logically understands and, and sees wrestling in a different yeah. way, how can I take the character serious on Monday if on by Wednesday you cry it? And she's doing it under her Alexa Bliss WWE account where all of her fans are, are listening. She wants their attention. She could have done that under a personal account with people that actually know her, but she wanted that attention from people that, you know, this audience that follows her. So that's the criticism you're going to get when you do that. So, so we're going to, so let's rewind, ladies and gentlemen, as Brad Shepard sips on his twist. Is that twisted tea? Twisted iced tea. It is. Um, we did get him to say that how, how good Bailey was. Mm -hmm. The positives. We, uh, he is just a positive about women's wrestling. But then he turns around and completely talks about how he, he would have eight. Oh, that's the bliss pig. Not her pig specifically. Don't do him like that. He was just saying like a pig. Not specifically okay. her right. pig. But okay, like, so uh. believability, what's, what, what's something else you think should be of something else? Larger than life characters. You know, today there is too much wrestling and having matches just to have matches. We know it's fake. We're all in on it. And so we're just going to have a really good work rate match, right? You know, the Dave Meltzer five-star match. And that's what it's really about as opposed to larger than life characters and personal issues that we can relate to, you know, and, and there's just not enough of that. It's like Two people are going to have, you know, a, a, a bump into each other and let's have a match or they're not going to have anything. Sometimes it's a cold match. You see this a lot in AEW in particular where two guys go in and that's because Tony Khan is in the gorilla position, jacking off to childhood memories of wrestling and fantasy booking these five star Dave Meltzer matches. Wow. Wow. He is my new BFF. Like, I, like, I, can't, <laughs> I can't deny that. Like, because literally every single time. I want next. I want everybody that's listening. And next time you see Cody go on the promo on the mic, count two minutes into the promo, someone else is coming out interrupting him. He never finishes a complete thought. Like you are left to fill in the blanks on your own, and that's my problem. Sometimes I'm like, what? I want you guys to entertain me. I, don't, I I'm all for building a story, but you guys are dragging this out a little too long, mm -hmm. and now I'm yeah. confused. Yeah. Predictability is another one, right? I mean, I think sometimes you see this on Raw, for example, you get a lot of Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. It seems like it's gone on forever, but they're not really elevating the story in any way. It's just a lot of different matches with them involved in singles and tags. They're not raising the stakes. They're not. The story is stagnant. They're not doing anything to develop it any further than it is. You know, when you talk about a primetime TV show at night, forget wrestling. They'll step out of the bubble. Any good primetime TV show at night that gets good ratings, they're going to have intricate stories where there's twists and swerves and characters. And that's what wrestling needs to do in a wrestling sense. And I think a lot of that is just completely missing today. I agree. I, I just, like, agree. just like when we spoke about um, Eva Marie coming back on Monday where I was saying literally an hour before Raw and they posted the match, they were, everyone was in an uproar. Like, oh my God, mm -hmm. she's wrestling Naomi. How could they do this to her, Naomi? And then of the swerve of all swerves, 
Piper Nevin comes out with her mm-hmm. and wrestles her match. And then she says, the winner is Eva I'm ready for like, an evolution. Me too. Really? She's the most interesting thing in, in women's wrestling to me right now. Why? First of all, have you seen her slice bread number two? It's the greatest thing to watch ever. The first time I saw it was in NXT. And it literally looks like she's in slow motion walking to the to the corner climbing up the turnbuckle with her opponent assisting her and then it's kind of like the little engine that could as she tries to flip over it's like the funniest thing ever to watch and so i kind of enjoy it like that it's kind of twisted but she <laughs> but, but she's got a she's got a great look and i think a lot of the you know the fans don't like that she's not some super worker oh she has big tits but you know what she can't wrestle a five star match wang Let's let's just let's have stars out there with characters and let's let them have passable matches. Not everyone needs to be a great match on the card. Mm-hmm. There are the work rate matches like the Savage and Steamboats, and then there's the Hulk and Andres. And so the card has a little bit of everything. But Eva Marie is compelling. She's different than everything else going on in wrestling right now. And that's why she stands out. And she presents herself like a star, unlike anybody else in women's wrestling. So, so what are your thoughts on Roman right now? I love him. Like, I, I am loving what Roman is doing right now. And I've really turned the corner, Roman. At first, I was kind of like, man, this is really forced. They mm-hmm. finally found a good place with was. him, I think. Oh, it absolutely was. Because yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It, no, it was. Say. But they finally turned the corner on him with what they're doing now. They probably should have done it years ago. But it's really working right now. He's really, you can tell he's confident. He's in his groove. They're giving him flexibility to do what he wants to do. And it is working. I really do think it's working. His biggest problem is, and I think what they're doing with the Usos is really good, actually. It's probably one of the best things or the best thing in wrestling from a character standpoint and storyline. But who does he really have to go up against? You know, yeah. WWE has, has created this problem for themselves. He needs a really good, you know, baby face to go up against. It's believable. And that's their problem. And so um, you, sorry, you actually mentioned that about the NXT title match mm-hmm. that just happened. It's the same thing. Can you, can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on the NXT? What was it five of them? And in the match, you were just like, cause I still call him killer cross, but carrying cross <laughs> <laughs> and him being the biggest guy in the ring. And everyone else looks like a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was really facing like two opponents because they're all so small that they were like a couple of regular sized people. But yeah, I mean, Johnny Gargano and he's dressed like Shawn Michaels. I'm like, this is such a like joke. It's like a dollar store version of HBK in the 90s. And I'm like, what? Uh, so you got Johnny Gargano, who is just a tiny little midget that belongs on 165 Live, if there was such a thing. Then you've got some of the other guys and it's like, Man, they're awful. They're like these tiny little guys and they do all these leg slaps and flips and kickouts at two and three quarters on finishing moves. And, you know, and basically what they did was they put all these guys against Karrion Cross because literally none of them were believable. So they had nothing to do but just say a bunch of these little guys combined may be able to beat Karrion Cross in a match. That's the only way it was believable. And that's a problem they created with having a bunch of little indie vanilla midgets in NXT instead of more guys like Karrion Cross that are believable and know how to actually work a match. So, okay. I'm going to push against that. I'm going to push against that. I'm going to push. Because he's like Gargano. Push it real good. 
I'm a, I'm a huge Gargano. He's a Gargano fan, and I like so, I like Adam. Cole. I'm sorry to hear that, by the way. Um, I'm just saying. joking. No, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. You like what you like. You yeah. don't like what you don't like certain things. That is fine. That's why you're here. We have a conversation. We we get you, we hear your point. You hear our point. Ain't nothing wrong when we're not liking it, these motherfuckers. So, but this is this is my thing. Where I agree with you is both of you guys, Karrion Cross is way too big for NXT. <laughs> way too big. The dude it, is, I, I think he's like 6'5. He's tall. Six, he's really, six, three, really six, four. He's yeah. solid. Huge. Two, he's probably like 225, 230. It's business exposing. Yeah. If you watch the match, I'm, you guys watched the match, I'm assuming. I did, yeah. They took him out the match for Mad Long. They, yeah. it's weird because he can work, but he works in a bruiser, you know, stone cold, mm -hmm. like basic he, shit. Where he he's fights. A, he's, he's a, a ground, player. he's a ground wrestler. Like yeah, he's, he's not going to get on the top rope yeah. and flip. He's not going yeah. to do a dive out of the ring. He's yeah. not, none of that is going to come And there's from not a bunch of submissions, but he'll do a basic submission hold because of how he's, of how he is. So they... This is my opinion. They low-key exposed NXT and exposed Karrion Cross at the same time. Because he can't work like they can, and they're not as big as he is. So, for instance, the way the match ended, didn't they, like, jump him at the end? Like, he was mm -hmm. putting a submission hold on somebody, somebody else put a submission. Like, it was just, it was bad. So, yeah. to go back to what I'm saying, Karrion low-key doesn't belong in NXT. I agree. He doesn't belong in NXT. I think they mm -hmm. put him down there so he can learn how to work better with the WWE style so they can put him on right and also kind of ish introduce him to the to the WWE universe. A lot of people didn't don't and that's the thing. A lot of people didn't know who he was coming from Impact because mm -hmm. you had to watch Impact to know who he yeah. was. And, and stuff nobody like that. watches Impact. No, that's not know. true. I watch okay. Impact. Okay, yeah, three hundred people do. <laughs> we want yeah, I was like, I yeah. want to see hundred at times. You know, I keep up with it, but I don't watch it. I like, I you know, for me, it's just good, especially because of our podcast, essentially. But just for wrestling, like you, if you watch one particular thing, that's all you're gonna know. That's all you're gonna yeah. base your opinion on, and mm -hmm. that's why, like, even though I may not at a hundred percent enjoy AEW, but I will still watch here and there mm -hmm. because I want to be able to understand where the fuck ups are. Like, I want to be able sure. to do articulate as you mentioned yeah. why i don't like it because you can't just say i don't like it and not have a reason because right. then you just look stupid yeah so but i agree with what you're saying like i think for killer it was just more of let me let me get introduced to the universe of wwe mm -hmm. let me understand the politics of the wwe side of things and i do but my fear is and that's always the fear is when they you know cross over how does it translate because mm -hmm. that, like how we talked about, what I totally agree with when you said with Bailey's character, because I knew the get up with the blow up doll shit wasn't gonna work yeah, at me all. Too. Yeah, and I knew it, and and it just was, and it and it got real stale really fast. Even even old girl oh. that used to be a Bailey fan turned on her, so it was just like Izzy. Wait, <laughs> she's right. like, she's working with AEW. She's working with AEW now. Yeah. 
Oh, nasty. She'll probably well, get hurt. She has nice parents. Her parents are really, really sweet. Like, they're, they're nice. <laughs> like, I will say. Don't let her work a match. She'll probably have an injury. I mean, the, the injuries are lining up like crazy in AEW this year. I think there's at least 26 wrestlers on AEW shows that have been injured. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Because yeah, Chris, Chris Statlander was off of that almost a year. Is she may kill someone. I mean, she keeps doing that tombstone pile driver. She's going to break someone's neck because I watched one bot she had recently where she's trying to do it and she's going down and she loses balance. So she's falling forward on one foot with her opponent and she's doing the tombstone. I thought she was going to break her neck. Uh, they got lucky, but just a lot of NXT really to me is very similar to AEW with less botches, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think that's what you see in, in AEW. A little bit more. Yeah. Um, dive deep into that, into that comparison. Yeah, sure. So I just think, obviously, they were going head to head, but I just think it's two products that are very catered to that smart mark, you know, hardcore audience that loves the indie style of wrestling. What I talked about before, you know, the work rate, the five star matches and kicking out of moves, the spots are, are what you, you know, this is awesome. And you, you do the big dive and 20 people are there waiting for you for five minutes to catch you. So it's totally unbelievable in every way possible. But these are acrobatic moves that that these wrestlers are doing. And that's what the fans like. You know, they like these sort of, you know, long 30-minute matches with kickouts of finishers. And it's Not really just that indie style. And it doesn't have to be character-based or storyline-based. And so that's a lot of what I see. It's just very similar in that regard. But I do think NXT has the upper hand in terms of developing stories, though. That that mm -hmm. for for me, yeah. Because I feel like with AEW, I mean, it eventually gets there, but it's just like, what road did you guys take to get mm -hmm. there? And did I miss it? Because yeah. you're left confused, and then by the time you get to the pay per view, you're like, this is all okay. This is what how we got there with NXT. It is it is always like a build up to something, little spots here and there. They take things that were from so long ago and bring it to the forefront and you're like, Oh, I didn't remember that. And it makes yeah. you then go back and go watch. Yeah. She'll be back. She'll be back. Um it, it what she was saying. Um, one of my biggest things with uh with AEW and AEW could be a whole lot better. Sure. If they listen to the veterans. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think they have a ton of veterans in the back. Oh, she's back. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally I hate this thing sometimes. It's just right when I'm in the middle of a good thing. Well, but, yeah, so I you were totally agreed. <laughs> but no, I think with NXT storyline, because I'm, I'm big on storylines. Like I tell people all the time, if you go Me back too. and watch the storyline between Undertaker and Kane leading up to WrestleMania 14, that is by far for me one of the best storylines ever told. Because you and it was and you for years thought that they were brothers and you were just like, mm -hmm. what the? How did they? What happened? You were invested, mm -hmm. and I feel like with NXT at times they have they have that more going for them than AEW does. Like they certain storylines like yeah. AEW where, like for instance, the whole Cody and QT thing. I'm just like, oh, can God, we move on? So can we? Can we do something else? Nobody and cares about QT Marshall. What the fuck? He's Cody's friend. He's given some role with you know. It's it's this buddy system bullshit that they do in AEW, and it's like who can? Oh, we're gonna have a strap match. Nobody cares though. That's the problem. You're building to a match that nobody gives a single fuck about. That's the problem. And the whole point of pro wrestling is to invest the fans so that they care. But people don't care about QT Marshall. Marshall. 
Marshall. So how would you improve it? Let's say, for instance, Khan, Khan calls you up. He's like, I got some, some daddy money for you. Khan got some daddy bucks for you. How I can would, be bought. How would, improve, <laughs> how would you improve AEW? Let's say you had the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Well, I'd fire most of the roster to begin with. Um, oh, well, then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they have, um, like, um, who's the librarian? Uh, Peter Avalon. Michael Nakazawa, the guy who's rubbing baby oil on his body parts before matches. How much is this fucking guy getting paid? Are you Probably. kidding me? They're operating in the red with Michael Nakazawa on their roster? What? <laughs> so the first thing you got to do is get rid of the dead weight, okay? And then you got to focus on telling stories. Tony Khan is maybe the worst booker I've ever seen in pro wrestling. It's like the guy is, first of all, he always looks like he's on drugs. I mean, we can all agree. His pupils are always mm -hmm. dilated. He's sweating. Anyway, so the guy is like an ADD booker. You know, the storylines, it's stop and start. It's going back to stuff way later after you mm -hmm. forgot about it. And it's, it, it's illogical in a lot of cases. So you got to take the book away from this guy because, again, he is nothing but a mark running a company with his daddy's money, living out some childhood wrestling fantasy. So you have to get rid of him from doing the storylines and, and fucking doing everything, basically. I mean, the guy can't even run the Jacksonville Jaguars. He can't run a soccer team. He sucks. And I'm convinced this guy would be working an average job at best if his dad wasn't rich as hell. Okay, so you got to eliminate him from the equation as much as possible and start telling week-to-week -week stories that build to something. You got to be able to do that. And there's been occasions they've done that. You know, mm -hmm. I really did like the Cody and Dustin story that they told leading to their match. Mm -hmm. I like that. There are flashes of good things, I think, on that show. They're just few and far between. Like, like for instance, what is good for... Because I got... We already know you hate it. Like, throw some good ones out. Besides the, the Dustin and um, Cody. Uh, some good ones? Oh, jeez. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think... They, they have something. They had. They had something from they. They could have done the pinnacle inner circle thing differently. Yeah. And if they really wanted to, they should have waited. I think a little longer to do the stadium stampede match mm -hmm. because now we're all sitting here. And then the week after, like they did everything in reverse. So they had the big stamp stampede match. Yeah. Inner circle badass entrance came in, kicked ass. You know, for camera, and then the live people got ten minutes of a match. Whatever. And then the week after, then they each individually challenged the people in the pinnacle. And it was just like, that's what you should have yeah. did before you had the stadium yeah. stampede. So, of course. <laughs> so yeah, that was my building. grip. I was like, what? Yeah. I, was, I was like, you already had your grand finale. Mm -hmm. Now we're going for the, we're going for the, the prequel. Like, how does that yeah. work? Well, yeah. And that's why I hate those special pay per views like Hell in a Cell. You're starting out at a Hell in a Cell match. Where the hell do you go from there? you know, in a feud, right? So it, that's, that's to your point. That's exactly what AEW did there. I thought the inner circle was really good at first. It was entertaining. It was different. Uh, Chris Jericho was doing a great job. I thought he had people like Sammy Guevara allowing them to start to really get experience. Then they just totally blew it. I mean, it was not consistent at all. They just, they weren't appearing on TV for a while and they've blown it now. But, you know, that initial period, I think with the inner circle was really good. Um, Cody started out strong in AEW too. And, you know, the minute he got that match where he lost and he couldn't compete for the title, that's like, where is he supposed to go? 
Well, I'll tell you where he goes. He goes to wrestle fucking QT Marshall. That's where he goes. <laughs> in a strap, in a South Beach strap match. In a whatever that is, South Beach. I don't know if the straps in South Beach are different, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're um, it's a different type of leather because it stays. In the okay, South there you South. go. Yeah. <laughs> they just having a show in Miami and they wanted to be cool. It's okay. Uh, Tony Khan, he's wearing those um those shades, those stunner shades. And uh man, that guy's a geek, man. Have you I I mean it's like and he doesn't stop. Like he comes out and he cuts these promos and they're like really embarrassing. And nobody's got the balls to tell him this is really awful in the company because they're all a bunch of kiss ass sycophants. Someone's oh. gotta be there to be honest with him and say, Hey Tony. This is really fucking embarrassing, man. Like, like seriously, maybe you shouldn't do this. Uh, but he he just doesn't stop. In fact, I think it's going to eventually lead to him being on screen full time. He he just can't help himself. So, do you what are what are your thoughts on this? Because it's not really a partnership in my mind, but the the relationship between Impact and AEW. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's a one way street, is what it is. Impact is just totally stupid for doing this. Um, I don't get it at all. I don't think anybody who's being honest gets it. And if you could see there was some long-term benefit for Impact doing this, like, for example, if you've got Impact people on uh, AEW and vice versa, and that leads to an improve in the ratings, you know, long-term, like Impact is doing better business, more ratings, gives them more opportunities, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then I would say, okay, this is, you know, probably worth it. There's no evidence of that, right? They're not getting some big increase because Impact is on their show. So a lot of Impact fans, most of them, by and large, are not watching Impact. So it's like you got Kenny Omega going and burying every talent that Impact has at the main event level, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting because, you know, they did it with Rich Swan, they did it with Moose, and who, who knows who else they're going to do it with, but what's the benefit there? Is there some magical benefit to being in the ring with Kenny Omega, a guy who's shown his ass in wrestling matches and finger fucked Michael Nakazawa in Japan? I mean, wh what magical, you know, bump do you get from Kenny Omega burying your top talent who then have to turn around and represent impact eventually, right? Eventually there will be no Kenny Omega and there will be no AEW world championship. It'll be the impact championship and a guy like Moose, who you've presented as inferior to the AEW talent is now going to have to, to be the top guy for impact. You're telling your audience, this is a second rate talent pool. You know, that's the story you're telling. And I just don't see how this is beneficial to impact in any way. So question, Agreed. why do you think impact agreed to it? Uh, that's a great question. I think there was some uh, self-interest involved and uh, with certain people, what's his name? Uh, Don Callis. Don, Don Callis. Oh, yeah. That guy, you know, he worked for uh, Impact, right? He was an executive and now he's working for AEW during this whole thing. You he know, is? so wait, yeah. so he's not, wait, whoa. So he's not an executive? No, he's no longer an executive in Impact. No, no. So you look at people like Don Callis. Was he, was there a personal motive for him in this? So this was a transition for him. So did they boot him out before or at? Like, the plot it's, just thickened. Like, whoa. Yeah. yeah, it's my understanding he, he left on his own volition. Um, so was this a Don Callis? Let's go down the uh, rabbit hole of conspiracies. Was this Don that. Callis saying uh, impact is kind of like not really ever going to be a real thing? So maybe this is my opportunity to get in with AEW and make 
more money, have better opportunities. You never know. I mean, there really is no benefit. So at the end of the day, you know, let's look at all the options of what it could be. Wow. That was wow. A game. That's a game changer. Cause I, for the longest, I was sitting here like Don is being an impact general and, but he's being Kenny's BFF. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, this is just what it, I mean, cause I, I've always said, and I've told, I've literally told people that are on impact in their face. Like there is no real benefit nope. unless you guys are ended up on in Jacksonville yep. on at, at Dally's place doing something then except for the good brothers, which don't do much yeah. anyway, this doesn't benefit anyone. Like I, I thought even when ring of honor and NWA had the partnership, that was a better partnership than what yeah. these two are doing. Yeah, someone from Impact that works there told me, oh, but we're, you know, everyone wins because we're putting on good matches for the fans. I'm sorry, this is a business. Putting on good matches for the fans doesn't help your bottom line. You know, you're advancing AEW's narrative that they have superior talent than you. And it was really interesting to watch Callus leading up to this Moose and Omega match. And Callus was on the mic and just completely burying Moose. Burying Basically, him. I don't know if you saw this, but it was it was brutal. It was bad. He it was brutal. Him. Couldn't win an ROH. Couldn't do anything. Kenny's so great. And I'm thinking, wow. So they come onto your show. They completely cuck your top guy, who who, who you know you just bury him in the in the end because you know he's going to lose the match. He's not beating Kenny Omega. Nobody believed that. Mm -hmm. so what is the real benefit here other than to prop up kenny omega as some great superstar it's like the poor moose now has got to be left to deal with that i i just i don't get it you know and oh. when you're talking about selling a match why would you want to say i'm the best and my opponent is actually really awful can never win the big one so he basically a, you want to promote a match that? and get people to watch Mm -hmm. in, in get people to buy into, you know, anybody could win, right? Nobody believed Kenny Omega was going to lose. And, it's, and they sit there instead of saying, Hey, I'm better than you, but you're really good too. Yeah. Moose sucks. He never wins. Couldn't win a title in ROH, blah, blah, blah. Kenny's the best. See you later, punk. And it was just a total waste. So I don't know if you guys just saw, but br breaking news, Ray Mysterio versus Roman Reigns will happen tomorrow night on SmackDown in Hell in a Cell, which is That's awesome. wild. That's awesome. Because like, you know why? Literally just popped up on my scene. Because you know why they know it's not it's a waste of a time for a pay-per-view. Well, for, first of all, you can't really... I always, back in the day, because I feel like that's an old thing, but mm -hmm. Hell in a Cell had a very particular thing, job, and it was, I never liked it turning it into a pay-per-view from the beginning. Right. But to have four Hell in a Cell matches in a pay-per-view makes zero sense. Yeah. No, it makes, it makes no sense. And, it made no sense. And, and it takes, and it takes out the, the luster of that match, sure. The nostalgia is gone of Hell in a Cell. It's like, gone. And when I, and you I thought think... of Hell in a Cell, you thought you you think of Mick falling off the cage. You thought um, HBK being bloody and all this other stuff. Like you never, yeah, you know, it, it, it's not good. And the thing about it, like you mentioned this earlier, Brad, was like predictability. We all mm -hmm. know Ray's gonna get killed, mm -hmm. but he's gonna he's not gonna go down without a fight though. All right, all right. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's Ray Mysterio. Put some respect on Ray Mysterio's name. Don't do that. When you do it too much, yeah, I mean, really, you're just kind of wearing it out to where it doesn't have a meaning. 
and that can be applied to so many other places in the business. If you do a 450 splash or a tope suicida, well, when you see it every match, it loses its meaning. What does it really mean when you see 20 fucking tope suicidas? It's just another move like a punch and a kick at a certain point. It's just like Hell in a Cell. You have a pay-per-view and you have all these Hell in a Cell matches and it's the same shit every year. You know, there's a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So these two guys are going to get in a Hell in a Cell, even if they just started a feud a week ago. What does that mean? How am I emotionally investing in that? I want to see that build up to these guys want to kill each other in a Hell in a Cell. Not let's start the feud and then work backwards and go back to wherever we go from there. Listen, I'm just praying that Brock Lesnar opens up the Hell in a Cell on Sunday and knocks out both of them, puts Bobby over Drew, and then on Raw comes out and says, I want you in Vegas. Like, I just think that's just the way to go. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want I, anything else. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I just want Brock to come back. Because I like, I, I like Brock Lesnar. Like, I love I Brock. Like, I love the whole, I'm going to come in, wreck shit, don't give a fuck what you guys think and get paid. Like mm-hmm. that to me Brock's is believable. Like, That's the thing. Brock is a hundred percent. Yeah. Like when Brock believable. won when just Brock like Rhonda won, was. When Brock won money in the bank, everybody was in the uproar. And I was just like, you have to understand this man climbed a ladder. I would have never thought in 15 years Brock Lesnar would climb a ladder to get a briefcase and then yeah. make it and fun. <laughs> like so let's rewind back to that to, to that particular pay-per-view. It was it was a pay-per-view, right? It was money in the bank. Yeah, money in the bank. And, there was one person missing. It was like, it's going to be a guest person that's going to come in. And nobody knew who was it going to be. And that was the beauty mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. I remember when his music hit, we were at the bar, remember? Every, Same shit, gone. Everybody people went it. crazy. Either you were mad or you were happy. You were just in shock. And but you felt was, something. Yeah, that was the beauty. of. That's the beauty about Rock, Brock. You feel something when he comes out. Sure. And he's the last real attraction in wrestling. I think Roman could be that, but he's not there yet. Yeah. Rock right now is the last attraction in sports entertainment. Roman needs Rock to do it. Yeah. And And I've always said that. I said the moment... Him and Rock go one on one. That will cement him. Yeah, that'll be the cement yeah. for his for his legacy and his career. Because unfortunately, I'm a huge Taker fan, but unfortunately, the the Taker match didn't do it. It didn't yeah. hit. Well, that's, that's Taker fault. And it, granted, and he feels terrible about it to this day. But I've always said Rock versus Roman will definitely it'll lay everything out for his his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a great story to tell there. They, they 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 really 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 do. Um, wow, you really said a lot. You really said a lot. Appreciate we appreciate you. We we, we go from he we go from everyone's like he's he's not shit to like no he's like one of us. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's amazing when you have a conversation. What you learn and and I, you know again the stuff I say I can articulate. It's not like I'm saying dumb things for attention. Let's have a conversation and talk about why I feel a certain way. But but that's but that's the beauty about wrestling, It's having that conversation. Yep. It's having these things that like makes you want to feel something about it. Um. So, what are you enjoying right now? Because you because you mentioned Roman was really good. Anything else you're enjoying in wrestling? Because because you, you we kind of talked about it, but we didn't get to really talk about it. Yeah. What is something that you're currently enjoying? Humberto Carrillo. Yeah, 
Yes, I know you're like no, Uno's, because... Uno dos and he gets the whole music going. I just like Humberto. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you're like, you're crazy. No, because I actually I, I actually wasn't a fan. But then when him and Seamus started going, like he he came out, he had a beard. He, yeah, he, like, he turned a whole and new he week. turned up the physical nature of his work. Yes. And it so, became more believable. Yeah. So, and my surprise isn't that like who you said it, it was just like I, I agree. Like I'm like, yeah, him yeah. because him popping up on Raw and then beating the shit out of Seamus, and he was just like, Wait, you about two you about two pounds. How does this work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I've just enjoyed it and I think they have an opportunity there to tell the story if they want to. And you know, as far as Hispanic stars, yeah, they have Dominic and he's very, very young and green. They have Ray who's very old now and isn't gonna be around too much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they just have an opportunity to reach that Hispanic audience with someone like Humberto, um, which is kind of an awful name, but I kind of like what he brings. And then Edge with Sheamus was was really good. So I'm enjoying that. Um, someone that I've always enjoyed that I is kind of lost some of that edge for me is Baron Corbin. I've been a big fan of his hysterically. Mm-hmm. But the problem with Corbin is they've booked him awful. Just like they had so many opportunities with him. He was the biggest heel in wrestling at one point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. instead of taking that and running with it and getting money drawing heat, uh, they just like made him look stupid and smeared dog food on him and had him <laughs> lose to Roman a hundred times. And, you know, like he's now he's losing to everybody. Like it's what a waste, man. That guy yeah, I don't gets get it. the whole thing with him and Nakamura. I mean, even though I'm thoroughly enjoyed by Nakamura and the guy that plays the guitar, the guitar with him. Yeah. Like, bo- I, boogs. <laughs> like it, it, I, Is I he laugh. a real yeah, yeah, he was in NXT, but he yeah. wasn't oh, really okay. used. Yeah, he wasn't on TV or anything. Oh, okay. but, but, I, but I don't get why 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 Baron is losing the knockable. I, I don't get the connection of that. Like, for, for, the, I mean, Baron's work. I always, you know, like it progressed tremendously. I was always a fan because I saw his work in NXT, and mm-hmm. he really understood the character aspect. Like, you know, he would just shit talk the fans, like go back to ROH, and you know, he got it. You know how to get that you know, sort of heat. But, you know, he developed promos. He developed his in-ring work. He's protected his finisher. Nobody's kicked out of it. So a lot of smart stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and he was so hated. But, it, but you know, and, and by the way, he was believable on Twitter. He remained pretty true to his character, too. So I love that. But what did they do with it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He won, he won King of the Ring. They did nothing with it. But Literally they lost even, but- one money in the bank and lost it to Jinder Mahal in a throwaway SmackDown match. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they blew it there. I wish they would have, because King of the Ring was always one of my faves growing up. So I really wish they mm-hmm. would have continued it, just like how they kind of brought back In Your House for NXT, which I think was appropriate because it, it goes with the brand. But like mm-hmm. King of the Ring, like Baron Corbin's been King of the Ring for like three years. Like yeah. I, I'm gonna need you guys to figure it out. Yeah, it's stale. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when Wade Barrett won, it was a death sentence for him, pretty much. If you remember when he won uh, King of the Ring. Um, they made a complete joke out of it. He was, you know, they had our truth with the toilet plunger and, you know, Barrett went on like this massive losing streak after becoming King of the ring. It's like, what are you guys doing? This is such a waste. It's, it's throwing away money. Cause growing up King of the ring was like, you're basically the next superstar. Yeah. It yeah. was that, it sure. was that right before you sky, every person that won King of the ring in the nineties, they went to a different level. Like it was just like, no, not really majority. So I got two. I got I got a hot take. This is, this is gonna sound crazy. After Stone Cold won King of the Ring, he didn't really do nothing until he no. fought Brent. He didn't really do anything. 
he was he was still teetering like mid upper mid card. Really wasn't doing anything. He really didn't and, pop. I was like, well, it's hard because he won that rumble, but then he won the rumble like back to back. So it was just like, yeah. uh. But that was like way after. Yeah. He, he really, really caught did. fire a bit later. Yeah. yeah. Like, King of the Ring really didn't do anything for Stone Cold. Technically. It was like, like the lane, the yellow brick road, if for me, because it, it was, was that whole, beginning it was, then. but it was that whole intro, it was the true introduction to Austin 316. Yeah. Because and before then, he, he was just rolling with Ted DiBiase for, for what? And, and not doing anything with that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, doing King of the Ring, being Jake, doing the pop, the, 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 the promo around the world. Mm -hmm. That was the foundation of it, though. It, it didn't catapult him, but the, the, you are it, now it, watching whatever Austin did from there on. You, your eyes were to it. But, but the thing about it, we really weren't. We the thing about it, WWE basically brainwashed us to think that that's what happened. I mean, they men in black us all the time. They act like you'll do something <laughs> and then they'll they'll swipe you and then you'll be like, "Revisionist hey, did history." That really happened? Yeah. Wait yeah. a minute. Wait a minute. Next year. You're going to tell me next that Hulk Hogan wasn't the first person to body slam Andre the Giant. What? Who did that? <laughs> Jeez. They would never do something like that. <laughs> like, who who would have do with a thunk that? Or it was their first match ever, and that Hulk Hogan was never a bad guy ever in his career before, before then. <laughs> I mean, oh, they rewrite all the time because, like, honestly speaking, if you are super casual, which is fine. Don't really dig that deep. Stone Cold's career started at King of the Ring, and it was straight to the moon after that. <laughs> That's exactly how they make it seem. Yeah. Drop the promo, and then two weeks later, he's fighting Brett, and he's bleeding. But there was a huge there was a huge gap between that time. Huge. <laughs> oh man, just like they used to have midgets in 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 the pay per views. I was watching uh, Bad Blood great. last night. <laughs> And Max Moon was on, and we were just like, "What <laughs> the fuck is going on here?" Like, well, WrestleMania three, and Vince and was on, and Vince was on commentary, so it was just like, "What?" Yeah, what, what, was, here? what was the obsession with that? Because it was but, something different, probably. I don't know. Well, WrestleMania three, you had King Kong Bundy right in the match with Hillbilly Jim, and they had the midgets in a tag match. And I didn't get that. And then you that. had Bundy, and he slammed. I love this because Bundy's like slamming the midgets, and he's acting like he's going to splash the midget. I'm like, this is fantastic, pal. Squash that midget. I want to see more midget tosses. You know, I want to see how far Brock Lesnar can throw Rey Mysterio. I want to see that. That's I what mean, I if see. Brock can throw a one-legged person against the, the, the pole, <laughs> I, I, anything is possible. <laughs> no, he pushed him down the stairs, remember? And he threw him against the pole <laughs> on that SmackDown. Um, that was, was it a prosthetic a on a pole match? Yeah. What the fuck were we watching? <laughs> <laughs> like, why were these... Like, you ever look back, you were like, how did they get away with... Because and it's so bad because it's like yeah. now they can't do any of that shit. That shit is yeah. like, yeah. like when Rusev fucking threw that snake, mm -hmm. I was like, Peter got to be on speed dial because mm -hmm. that is just what no, the fuck are we doing? They yeah, apologize. as they yeah. should. You can't be in 2021 and throwing a snake like that. Like, but there was no snake in there though. It's the illusion of it, and you can't do that. You got kids watching it, and now you going to bed thinking about. Miro throwing a snake like that. You wake up the next day like, Mommy, why did he throw the snake like that? 
Is he dead? Like, well, that's that's a part of the problem in wrestling today, right? Is that balance between what audience are you targeting? Because maybe Mm. something like, you know, is Lana screwing Dolph Ziggler or whatever storyline they had back years ago? Is that appropriate for a child? No, it's also on at 10 o'clock at night. Like, is that really when a child should be up? So, but they do so many childlike things in these storylines. You're like, well, that's kind of catering to kids. So what audience are you really going to? But then you also have like, you know, wrestling can be at its best when it's really trashy. Like it's, you know, all kinds of drama and craziness like Jerry Springer. But we're in this politically correct climate in 2021 where it's like, oh, you can't say this thing. Even though it's not real, it's literally an actor repeating a line like you would see on Law and Order or How to Get Away with Murder or any other primetime network TV show. But there's this weird double standard in wrestling. You can't say that, even though everyone knows it's fake. So those are the kind of things they're really up against right now in in modern times that really detract from being able to tell some kind of adult compelling stories. You know what? They could could never do Red Velvet and Cody having an affair. Could never do that. That would be great, actually. But, but, it'd be, um, but it'd be great. That's what I'm saying. But, mm-hmm. but, but you know what? But you know what? Let's talk about Bobby and Lana. How, granted, it was a genius. mess of a storyline, <laughs> but the clips that they got online were some of the highest clips at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes, and the thing about it, it's, it's like what Brad said. It's like this weird dichotomy where it's like, if you go this direction, yeah, yeah, and not politically correct. But if you go this direction, you're trashy and horrible. But the ratings are really high. So mm-hmm. where do you, you know, where does I mean? the moral yeah. standards lie? Is really yeah. at the end of the day what what your question? Because the whole Lana thing, even though all of us know in real world, her and Rusev were married. So it was just right. like you guys sitting here saying you're on a divorce. But I appreciated them not. She didn't post pictures of her and him. On Instagram mm-hmm. during that storyline, right. like they mm-hmm. like they totally played it out the right way. So I had yeah. an appreciation for it where everyone else was trashing it. I was just like, well, I mean, Bobby's not a bad looking dude. So if she decides to you know fuck him here or there, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, if she get a divorce, but yeah. Plus, yeah. you have the network advertisements, right? So. <laughs> everything is so advertisement focused for revenue. It's like, oh, Snickers doesn't like that you said this nasty word on on Raw, so they're going to cancel the money they give you, you know, for this advertisement deal. So you're kind of it was so they're like worried about like these advertisers canceling and these networks being upset by things that they do, stories that they tell, and a lot of this comes from that culture where it's fans who get upset about it and they complain on Twitter. You know, they call these numbers and complain and whatever, and then. You know, it's like, oh, we've got to drop this storyline because, you know, Snickers is unhappy. So do you think social media has ruined wrestling? Yes. Good question. Yeah, I really do. Overall. I mean, there's benefits, too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, You know, I think it connects wrestling with fans in a way that that has never happened before. But I also think that's a bad thing in a way. Uh, You know, it's it's so business exposing. And the wrestlers today, they aid that. Right. They expose their own business on Twitter, you know, social media. So. It, it has been some good and a lot of bad, but I do think absolutely this internet age of social media and going online and reading spoilers and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think that's been a major negative for wrestling, actually. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see that. Um, but Brad, thank you for ha- thank you for coming on today, man. This yeah. was so much fun because, I mean, granted, you, you got the, the whole stigmatism, like he's a trash guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'm sitting here like, 
Because when he asked us, he was just like, listen, he's a bit controversial. And I was just like, but has he said anything crazy, crazy, crazy? And then we started looking up stuff. We were like, it's not crazy, crazy, crazy. So we're always about giving people a platform. Like we have our own platform to just have a conversation, as you mentioned throughout the the show, and just have a little bit of fun. Because that and something you know we spoke about our the last few episodes is fans ask too many questions, so therefore they don't have enough fun when it comes to wrestling. Like when you were watching in 1997, you didn't question why HBK was probably high as a kite and doing a promo. Didn't care those questions. You didn't. You didn't. You gave zero fucks. So why now? <laughs> Give a fuck now type of thing. But no, as I mentioned, we truly do appreciate you coming on. Um, it has been a pleasure to speak with you and to just bounce, you know, ideas. And our love for wrestling is, is all on the same platform. So before we do go, now you don't have to cheat plug yourself. Please let the viewers and listeners right. know where to find you, any upcoming projects you may have or anything you want to say. The floor is yours. All right. Well, airportappeal.substack.com is where I'm doing all of my wrestling work now. You know, I'm not doing like basic bitch wrestling stuff like, oh, you know, so-and-so wants to get a push or what? Like, I don't care about the the very cheap wrestling stories you see in all the news sites. I'm getting into more of the personal element and, and some of the exclusive news that I'll, I'll post, um, but also a lot of opinion stuff, too. You know, if a show was deemed bad. I want to go into why, or if I notice something like the NXT main event scene is really weak, I'm going to talk about that and explain why. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do with airportappeal.substack.com. I'm doing some podcast audio content as well. Oh, nice. So you can, uh, you can follow me there and always on Twitter. It's at it's Brad Shepard, S H E P A R D. And that's pretty much it. All right, man. Brad, thank you so much for joining us on this late edition of the Java Says Podcast. We typically record in the afternoon on Thursdays, but it was okay because I can stay home today. So it was all right. I appreciated cool. it. But the pleasure so was all mine. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, thank you, you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for joining us. It was a little bit of a late episode, but it's okay. Um, you can um, find this episode amongst other episodes on the Java Says Podcast on our YouTube page. You can follow us on Instagram at the Java TS Podcast, Twitter, um, Facebook group. Um, are we, what are, am I missing anything? Oh, Hell in a Cell this weekend at Legends. So if you're in the tri state area, come out to Legends. We will be showing the viewing, uh, we'll, we'll be showing the viewing of Hell in a Cell. Um, and then after that, um, what else is left? That is it. That Hope is you don't get canceled. We won't. Listen, if we could survive Tessa. We're pretty okay because that was pretty bad. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, man. So, but listen, well, we if we get, if we do, listen, we'll all just have our own little network of cancel and and not get canceled. So it'll be right. what it is. But we appreciate you, Brad, so much for joining us. As always, I'm Janelle from HR here with Sir Wilkins, Mr. Black. Sorry you missed us, but we'll see you guys next week. Hashtag Black Excellence. Hashtag We Are Out. Bye.